what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on TheMesh.TV. Are you your family's go-to IT person where they are constantly calling and asking for advice, help, or fixing something that's not working? Or are you possibly the one who's doing the calling and finding somebody else in your family and you're constantly needing help and you would like to become a little more self-sufficient when it comes to home or family technology? Well, we are here. We are the brothers in tech. We are here for that purpose to help you out. And so I am Alan Jackson. My brother in tech here on the other end of the line is Brian Jackson. How are you doing, Brian? Good, Alan. How are you? Doing great. Looking forward to today's topic where we're going to be talking about one of our, it's one of our deep dives off of our digital photography topic. We, about two weeks ago, we covered kind of a general digital photography uh, discussion about uh, kind of the ins and outs and different options you've got if you're going to be taking photos with your digital devices. Uh, last week, we talked about something I was a little more comfortable with, which was mobile phone photography. Today, though, we're switching over to what we've been calling the quote unquote traditional digital photography, which is using a DSLR camera or a camera equipment that's more dedicated for the purpose of photography. And Brian, that is that is going to be all you. I'm really just kind of here to ask questions and to write notes because yeah. I... Uh, I kind of moved into mobile photography almost exclusively several years ago. And uh, as much as I love uh, DSLR photography, I just have not been in a while. So uh, that, however, is I know where you spend a, a good bit of your time right now when it comes to photography. Yeah, yeah no, this is, this is something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. Um, by no means am I anywhere close to a professional with this, but I, uh, I enjoy this enough to feel as though I kind of know where people might want to go, and I certainly take it beyond just a just a just a hobby. Um, and I'm just super excited about this episode. I think uh, because there's there's things that I have learned as I've tried to dive into the photography world that are incredibly confusing. And you know, if you don't know those things early on, you're going to end up potentially wasting a lot of money. Um, so I think mm -hmm. kind of getting into it with your eyes open and, and understanding some of the terminology is going to be helpful. Uh, and I'm also just super excited the fact that you don't really know what you're doing in this episode, Alan, because I don't I really tell you anything and you would believe it, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. So anybody who's out there fact checking, uh, please don't <laughs> let Alan know. <laughs> let's just let's just let him pretend that uh, everything. Let I me say just is believe that my my little brother. Wow, he's so smart about about digital photography. I'm oh, just I'm, amazed with how much information he kind of just came up with at the top of his head. Yeah, so yeah, that's gonna be great. That's gonna be great. Yeah, just gonna make yeah, it all up. Good. Well, so okay, I do so, think. Yeah, so uh, Ryan, let me. Let, I'm gonna let you kind of start us off. How, how do you, how do we want to proceed on this? Well, okay. So here's here's my here's my thought. Uh, let's let's back up just a second, right? In, in our very first mm -hmm. episode within the digital photography, we said there's really we were we were saying two different ways that you could go with photography uh, now, and I think technically it could be three. There's a hybrid in the middle, right? But we said mobile photography, where you say I'm going to use my phone, this really powerful device that I have already on me, and a really great camera that's already built into, it, and I'm going to use that for my photography, or 
you're going to go with a camera only device. Um, mm -hmm. So you're going to have a device that you have simply to be able to take pictures. And we mentioned a DSLR. We talked about that before, the single lens reflex. Basically, we're talking about the, these are the big cameras that you see people holding the traditional looking cameras where people used to have film cameras and they have lenses and on the, on the uh, outside, uh, interchangeable lenses. Again, it's the single lens reflex, which basically, again, means optically the image is coming in. There's a mirror in there that sends it up to your eye. So your eye is actually getting to see what truly is coming in through the lens, okay? As right. opposed to your camera and your, I'm sorry, your phone, your phone, you're not seeing the actual image of the world. You're seeing the digital representation of that image, right? So that's why it's different. Okay. So... And a lot of people, I think, that don't understand uh, a lot about this type of photography think that every one of those cameras, the big, you know, honking cameras that have the lens on the outside, that they're all the same, that those are all, wow, that, that means that's a really, really kind of high level camera. And that's what the professionals use and that sort of thing. But there's, mm -hmm. there's various levels of those things. So I want to make sure that we talk about some uh, terminology regarding uh, these types of uh these types of cameras. Uh, and I think it's most important to do that now, because if you're jumping into this and you buy the wrong kind of camera initially, you're kind of stuck with it. And you may realize, wow, I bought a low level one of these, which means everything else I do is going to be limited, right? Okay. So now let's start with kind of the, uh, probably the most important distinction uh, that you will have if you're deciding to do a DSLR. Uh, first mm -hmm. of all, we can talk about the body of the camera because the beauty of these is these are separate things, the body and the lens. So that you can interchange the lens on the body. So the body is the thing that you're holding that has typically uh, the eyepiece that you look through. Uh, a lot of them now have a screen on the back that's uh, displaying the uh, statistics on what you're taking or maybe even a live view of it. That's called the camera body. And for most people, when they jump into DSLRs, they go and buy a a body and a lens together in a kit that yeah. come together. Already, to Costco, already have the Costco. lens with it. Yeah. yeah. Costco and it's like, Hey, this, here's a DSLR camera that has this lens on it already. Okay. Right. Um, when you buy the camera body, most cameras, so the, the kind of entry level of those things, it's called a crop sensor camera. And a crop sensor means that it is a slightly smaller sensor that it has built into it to be able to gain information. Okay. okay. Um, on the professional end or on the higher end, it's called a full frame camera. Okay. And that's, that's a term you'll hear a lot. So if you walk into a camera store and said, Hey, I want to get into DSLR. I want to buy a DSLR. And they'll say, do you want a crop or a full frame? Okay. Well, full frame is a lot more expensive. Okay. We're talking double, if not triple what you're going to be paying for a crop sensor. What it does is it has a larger sensor to bring in more information uh, via what you're seeing through those lenses, okay? Crop sensor is called oftentimes a four-thirds or something. It means it's take, it's anything less than 35 millimeter. So, Alan, remember, 35 millimeter was the standard of, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, uh, the, uh, film, the, film photography. the old film. Sorry, thank you. The old film photography was about 35 millimeter, and that means that so in, in, the, in the past, the film was the sensor, 
right? I mean, basically what's happening, yeah. light was coming in and it was burning onto this piece of plastic, which uh, then could be turned into a picture. Well, that was your sensor. I mean, that's really right. what the right. where you're getting the information. So a 35 millimeter camera, the size of that film is what the size of a full frame camera sensor is. So a full okay. frame camera sensor has a digital sensor in the back that's the same size that that, that film was before. Anything smaller than that, it's called a crop sensor. It means you're cropping what you're actually getting uh, out of that picture. Of course, we talked about last uh, last week, mobile photography. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's a crop sensor, right? I mean, there it's sure. much smaller than what a uh, 35 millimeter uh, film would have been. So uh, most people, when they jump into DSLR, they're jumping into a crop sensor. I've been shooting a crop sensor f- uh, camera all of this time. So uh, okay. 10 years, I have a crop sensor camera. It's just... Uh, kind of the entry level DSR, DSLRs, and they're really good, really good cameras. Yeah, um, sure. There's a lot of great things, but when you're ready to take it kind of to the next level, that's generally when people move to the full frame, and that's actually in the process of what I'm doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of taking what you're doing to the next level in terms of the information that you can bring in. It's not just about megapixels; it's about having a sensor that can pick up all those unique things that you're trying to create. So, so that's one thing, right? For most people, for 95% of the people that are jumping into DSLRs, a crop sensor is great. Do a crop sensor. You'll be able to control and do lots of things with it. It's just that the, what's coming into that sensor is going to be uh, limited somewhat. All right. So don't go. I've already learned something, Brian. I've already learned something. Don't go grab a frame just because you think you need to, because that's way more, uh, costly. Yeah. Well, add to your list uh, the things that Brian has taught me, and this is now so one of them. Exciting. I did not know, did not understand that. So please proceed. My notebook is open. I'm ready for more notes. All right. All right, class. Well, let's go a little bit further. So um, I, I did want to quickly mention, we talked about the in-between earlier. So remember mobile photography, DSLR photography, and then I talked about the new version, which is this mirrorless cameras and yeah, mirrorless yeah. cameras. Like a having a DSLR looking body um, with extra lenses, but yet you're not getting the mirror inside. So it means that you're you're basically taking your phone and adding big lenses to it. Okay, it's kind of the option there. So and I th- and I think that for a lot of people, um, there's still a little bit of a uh, uh, I don't know. People tend to look down on mirrorless uh, a little bit now, um, especially those that have been in photography for a while. But I think that's going to take over. I think people realizing there's just why worry about having this actuating mirror, you know, that could go wrong when we can get similar things from a mirrorless camera. So mirrorless, you know, if you're interested in if really what you want is I want to be able to have different lenses to be able to do creative shots, you can do that with a mirrorless. And if you're okay looking at a screen on the back of the camera, as opposed to putting your head up to um, the eyepiece and looking through, then mirrorless is a great way to go. Um, okay, cool. So Alan, the other thing that I think is pretty important, and then we're talking about step one, right? You're jumping into this. You've got to decide, am I getting a crop sensor camera like a normal DSLR, or am I going all the way to a full frame? And by the way, I would actually, I would again say a full frame is probably not the first camera anyone should be getting. Yeah, sure. Right? You should, you should work with a crop sensor for years and then you can move up to full frame uh, if you choose to. 
but you're going to have to make a decision up front and it's a pretty important decision, which is what brand are you going to be going with? And normally that's brand is something we don't say is a necessity here, but it is kind of like going Apple versus Android or Apple versus Microsoft. You have to make that decision up front. And when you make that decision, you're kind of going to be stuck with it. Um, so you're kind of, it's kind of dictating your purchases, your expansion opportunities going forward. So yeah. much like you said, a Mac or Windows type of environment, it's you you do have to kind of choose. Right. And I would, yeah, that's that analogy may even be limiting in a way that this is even more committing than you would be buying right. a Mac versus a PC. Because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to buy this camera. And then in the future, I'm probably going to get some new lenses to go with this camera. But those lenses have to be compatible with the body that you have. So you're automatically limiting what you're going to be buying from here on. So the big, the big, uh, the big boys within this Nikon versus Canon, that's generally the decision that people are making. There are others. Uh, Sony is doing great stuff yeah, right now. Sure. Uh, Olympus. But again, the big, the big distinction has typically been Nikon versus Canon. Uh, are you a Nikon person? Or are you a Canon person? I'm a Nikon person. My best buddy is a Canon person. The downside is that we can't. Still friends. We guys are still like they some, hang out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk photography, right? Um, no, but it, it, the bummer is that we can't exchange lenses with each other, right? He can't say, "Hey, I've got this cool new lens. Why don't you try it?" Because they're incompatible with one another. So, um, kind of an in. Uh, here, Alan, you want to know another little nugget? Something that you can take to parties and uh, impress people with? I, I told so, you my notebook is open. I'm ready to go. Give it to me. So, and I just happened to learn this somewhat recently. Um, if you, so when you put a lens on a Nikon camera, you turn the uh, the focus ring. So you're going to be focused, manually focusing. You put your hand up on the lens and turn the ring. You end up turning it a different direction for a Nikon camera than you do the Canon camera. They're opposite Weird. in terms of the direction that they, they do. So... So even if you had a lens that said, oh, this is dual compatibility, right? You're going to have people that like to focus one way versus another because that's what they're used to. So uh, they really are making them so that, you know, you're one or the other, right? They're making camps, uh, the Nikon versus Canon. Um, so make that decision. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bias that decision because honestly, I do not think it matters which one you go with. I just think it matters as to the fact that you're going to be staying with that one. So try them out. Right. Go and try them out. Don't just uh, jump in willy nilly. Right. Go and try them out and make sure if the the feel because they generally keep the same body style. They generally keep the same feel uh, as they go forward. So, well, Brian, can I just back up for a second? So that that's that was that was interesting. But I wanted to clarify. So that was your idea of something that you would bring up to somebody at a party. <laughs> I mean, I just well, want to clarify. So you were giving the suggestion okay. of somebody at a party could mention how the lenses between Nikon and Canon focus Spinning in different up. directions. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alan, okay. I mean, I will say I'm not quite as exciting as you who would talk about their backup strategies that they use to back up their, their computers. But this is my way of trying to get something interesting into the mix. Yeah. Touche. All right. We are on, we are in level playing field. Neither you or I get invited to enough parties. Obviously. <laughs> so, now, yeah, so now we know say, why. 
we ever were to be invited to a party again, that might be something, I don't know, it might be something we want to have in our back pocket because it's going to be the last party we get invited Keep it in your back pocket and only use it in the best situation because you may only have one time to pop it out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, so as I was saying, Nikon and Canon, every, everybody is, is hunkered down in their camp, right? You rarely ever, ever hear someone saying, Hey, I decided to jump from Nikon to Canon or Canon to Nikon. What you will hear these days, which is kind of interesting with the whole mirrorless thing, you're more likely to hear someone saying, hey, I'm selling out all my my DSLR gear because I've decided to go mirrorless, right? You will see that. And that's where they start switching over. But it's generally not based on company. You're, you generally become one or the other. You become kind of Nikon or Canon. Um, the other companies are kind of in between. So if you are someone who doesn't want to commit, you know, maybe going with a Sony or Olympus or something like that, um, because they do have ways of potentially cross-compatible uh, uh uh, working with those other two companies. Okay. Okay. So again, you've decided you want to get into DSLR. You got to decide full frame or crop sensor for um, almost everybody that's listening here, crop sensor, right? Get a, get a crop sensor. You're probably going to spend maybe five, $600 on the body of the camera. Okay. And here's my, here's my one piece of advice right away. If you are interested in doing this and you really think you're committed to doing this long-term, uh, meaning that you think this can be a great hobby for you, don't get the camera with the kit lens. Okay. This mm-hmm. is the, this is something that people will kick themselves about later on is you go to, to Costco or somewhere and they say, here's a, here's a box. Look at that. It's a DSLR. It comes with a blank to blank telephoto lens. Right. And generally yeah. they're going to be like an 18 to 55. 18 to and what 55. that means yeah. that's the millimeters distance or the, the uh, distance between the, the glass and the, the sensor but an 18 to 55, that's generally a standard that comes as a kit lens. Now, am I saying the 18 to 55 distances are not that useful? No, they're great, right? It's going to be a lot of fun. The problem is usually what comes in that kit lens is not a great lens. And when you buy this thing, maybe you spend $800 on both of them together or $900. Later on, you're going to want to upgrade that lens and that lens it's not going to be something you could sell that easily. So all of a sudden you kind of wasted your money on it. So my suggestion would be, if you really want to get into it, go buy the body only. And generally you can't get the body only at retail stores. You have to order it, Um, but go and get a body only, get the body that you think you want, Nikon, Canon, Sony, Olympus, whatever, and then go and look for a good lens to go with it. Um, and, uh, so that would be a a suggestion because I, I think you'll regret and, and think long-term about lenses too. We'll talk in a minute about lenses that there's kind of a strategy for people as they learn what kind of photography they're in as to what types of lenses they want. But generally you don't want to be stuck in a place where you'd like to take a picture and you don't have a lens that can do it. Right. So you want enough lenses in the future to be able to do that. Um, my first lens, Alan, I did not buy the kit lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I bought a next step up. I did not buy a professional lens and it's a lens that I'm now thinking about getting rid of to, to do, uh, some nicer lenses, but I bought, I only wanted one lens. So when I, when I did this, I said, I only want one lens and I want that one lens to be able to do enough of the things that I want to do. So what I ended up buying is what kind of like what's called an all in one lens. And it was, um, by another company called Tamron, but I bought an 18 to 270. 
So those numbers, wow. the higher the number, yeah. the more the zoom. And it covered everything, right? It means I could take that one lens and zoom in on something far, far away or back up and take kind of a, a landscape. And it was great. And I used it for 10 years and that's practically all I used. I had some other lenses that I started getting, but that was my go-to lens, my walk around lens. Um, and I think that's a great move. It's a lot better than the 18 to 55. You get more use out of it, um, but it's not professional and you'll end up uh, upgrading that at some point, but you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be upgrading within a couple of years. You'd be upgrading, you know, after a decade, maybe so. And I mean, in um, those kind of lenses, those really wide ranging lenses, that 18 to 270, I mean, you can still get, you can get some decent ones to get started with for, you know, two, 200 bucks, you know, uh, maybe. two to yeah, three dollars. Yeah. I mean, a decent one. I mean, well, not the, definitely not professional yeah. level, but at least if you want to start with a versatile great. lens. You know, yeah. yeah. You can get some great pictures, Alan. That's a, that's a good, uh, yes, you can get. A wide range. What I will say is that one of the things to keep in mind is if you're if you're wanting to get something you're going to keep long term, the more plastic it has in it, the worse it is, right? Uh, and they're often lighter, but the more metal they have in them, the longer they're going to last. Um, but again, mine was mostly plastic. It had a lot of plastic in it. it lasted me ten years. Um, now, given the, the kind of photography I want to do, it's not holding up. It's not doing what I want it to do, which is why I'm moving to other things. Um, but it has served me extremely well. And all the photography that you've seen that you've talked about that was on my wall and stuff that, you know, that you liked, all that came from that lens. I mean, that lens has done a great, great deal of things for me. Now I just, uh, I'm trying to look to, to move forward, but, um, so I would not buy the kit lens, mm-hmm. but I would go and buy one lens that you think would cover the things you want to do. And, you know, if you're someone who thinks, you know, think about the type of photography you like, if you're someone who likes wildlife, okay. And you want to, to be able to take pictures of animals, you're going to need a zoom lens. You're going to need something fairly, uh, fairly long zoom. But if you're someone who likes to take, uh, portraits or you want to take, um, I call it like street photography, being able to just walk around and take pictures of things that are going on in the world, um, you don't need a zoom lens, right? You need something that's maybe the 50 millimeter or the, you know, up to maybe somewhere in the 50 to 100. But um, so I think that trying to figure out what you what you're actually trying to take pictures of. And then if you're someone who wants um, landscapes and that's what you want to do, then you want the smaller number. And by the way, the numbers, when we say the, the number, the really small number like 18 is a very wide, um, a wide view. Okay. And the higher somewhere and you're getting a nice wide shot of buildings and scenery or a big crowd of people or whatever. Architecture, uh, landscapes, right? You want wide. Okay. And there are some great wide lens, um, wide, uh, uh, wide angle lenses like the. Generally speaking, the 18 millimeters is kind of considered like that the about the widest you go right yeah yeah, yeah i mean I, I have a lens that's a 10 to 24 and 10 yeah. almost kind of provides a little bit more of a fisheye look to it but yeah the generally 18 is kind of where that starts right. and it'll go all the way up from from there um uh you know 50 millimeters kind of a standard for a lot of people because it's that in between you know it's it's a good walk around lens they call it the nifty 50 you know when people buy a 50 millimeter because it just does what you know a good standard mid-range um so i don't want to get too into the weeds about all of these things but i think 
my biggest advice is if you're jumping into DSLR, one, you're probably going to go crop sensor first. Two, go and hold Canon and Nikon, like equivalent Canon and Nikons, and just see which feels better in your hand because there are some slight differences about you know, where the controls are and how that's going to work. Um, and then realize you're committing to that. Okay, buy the body only and then go and buy one lens at least that you think uh, because initially when you get into photography, you don't want to be changing lenses a lot. You know, you don't want to be going and swapping lenses back and forth because you're trying to just get out in the world and take pictures. So try to get a, a lens that will cover a wide range of the things that you want to do. Maybe it's an 18 to 200. Maybe it's a, something yeah. like that. That will cover some great, um, uh, great uh, pictures that you want to do. And the next thing you probably want to look for is, well, you know, we talked about megapixels before. A lot of them are going to be fairly high megapixels. Um, obviously, the better cameras are going to have higher megapixels. Um, so try to compare that. Try to compare things. Like if you're someone who likes to do sports photography, mm. right? you're probably going to need something that has a pretty good frame rate, maybe something that'll take you know five, seven you know, shots a second as compared mm. to one or two. You may want to look at that. Um, you want to look at the weight of the, the camera. Because when you start adding lenses to it, it can get pretty heavy. And if you're someone who, you know, hey, I don't want to be holding this all the time and take my pictures, then that's going to be a downside. That's where you may want to go mirrorless. Mirrorless is going to be lighter um, because you're not getting all of that bulk in the back. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, some of the new cameras have things like Wi-Fi connections to them. So you could be taking a bunch of pictures and then stream it over to your phone, you know, to first storage yeah. or to a, a computer rather than having to, to plug it in. So there's lots of little things you might look for. And that's, that's one of those really cool things I love that I'm seeing DSLR cameras do. And I, my son has a DSLR camera and I love the fact that he can, he's got it synced up with his phone. So when he's taking photos, uh, after he's taken a batch of photos, he can just scroll through them on the phone and kind of make some quick decisions on what yeah. he wants to do with those yeah. photos there. It's a lot better than having to just kind of peer into the viewfinder and trying to work with the controls on the camera itself. And plus, then he can also share them, you know, right. just uh, right. uh, easily from his phone since they're already being transmitted there. So that's, I love some of the enhancements I've seen that the DSLRs are doing with more connectivity right yep. now. You guys allowing people to, to get into it for lots of different reasons and not just feeling like, oh, I'm going to have to take a bunch of these things and then go and set up my computer and try to figure out what's good and how to work with it. There's lots of, lots of ways of working with it. Um, so Alan, do you want to, should we talk about lenses? Because we mentioned this already yeah. a little bit about different types of lenses. And to me, you know, well, there are so many, actually I would say the lenses are more important than the camera body, right? The camera well, body. I've always heard is I think once you've, you kind of just settled on that body, you just need a body that's a good, feels good, has the right kind of megapixels that it's going to capture on your, on your image. And then from there, really, the lenses are what make the image. So I understand the millimeters. I understand the you know, 18 up to 200, 300. Yep. It's all about distance from the lens to the sensor. And the, the, the larger the number means you can zoom in all that much yep. more to get the image versus one that's, that's not. So maybe talk me through just some of the types of lenses, because I know there's different yeah. different. Actual, like functions of different lenses. So obviously the, the number is the, the first thing you're going to look for, right? Like we said, you're going to look to see, is this a, you know, 18 to something or like a range, or is it one number? Okay. There are lenses that are just one number, 
And what those that's called a prime lens. A prime lens is when it doesn't zoom at all. It doesn't change. It's going to be one length and one length only. Now, many people might look at that and go, God, why would I want to spend money on that when I could have had that same distance with all sorts of other distances that could happen? But the, the issue is that- that's actually, the, that's actually exactly the question I was going to yeah, ask. Like, why would you? you, why would you? Yeah. So go ahead and explain to me so why. It, so it'd be like for me saying to you, Alan, if, uh, why, would I, why would I spend money on a 35 millimeter prime lens when my 18 to 55 includes 35, right? 35 right in the middle well, of it. Yeah. So, and the reason is, and actually that 50 millimeter is going to be a lot more expensive than that 18 to 55. And you would say, mm-hmm. well, that's ridiculous, right? And the re- issue is that the more the, the lens moves, the more the, the, the lens has to move the change perspective, the more problems can happen with the image itself. The more distortion you get, um, it's really hard to get a very sharp image as we start changing where the glass is in these lenses. So when you have a really uh, telephoto lens that's changing things, it's also changing the perspective, which means that it then potentially leads to some distortion that happens or some tweaking that might need to occur. Um, Mm -hmm. So prime lenses are going to be your sharpest lenses. So if you know you're you're getting into photography and you wanna do weddings and you're gonna be doing a lot of portrait stuff, you may have a 50 millimeter lens and know that instead of having to zoom on the camera, well, I'm just going to walk forward. (laughs) Exactly. Because that lens is absolutely going to have the sharp image. It's dialed in, it's calibrated to that length and that length only. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Is it safe to say, Brian, if you're finding yourself in a situation where you're going to be taking a lot of stage photographs, portraits, wedding photos, things where you have control over how far away you are from the subject and uh, arranging them, that prime lenses are a good setup? Because again, there's no zooming involved. You're not having to follow any action. You're just, I'm going to set the person down on this chair. This is the chair I'm going to take their portrait in. Right. And you move the, them forward or back or you move forward right. or back. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's the other reason why I think a lot of people do it on what they call like the street photography too, Alan, is that you're out walking. So you want that picture, you go and walk to a different place to get in that perspective you want, as opposed to just standing and doing wildlife. You can't go walk because you're going to scare the wildlife away. So that's where you need a lens that can get closer for you or further away. Um, so yeah, I think uh, the prime lenses. The problem with prime lenses is that now all of a sudden you need multiple, right? Well, I need to do landscape, so I need an eighteen. Oh, I need to do uh, portrait, so I need to do a fifty. Oh, I need to do this, so I need a you know a ninety. Um, so it can be really expensive, okay? But they are going to be the best pictures. Are going to be what we call prime lenses. It's almost like these companies want to make money, which is that's just weird. crazy, crazy talk, Alan. That's strange, crazy talk, strange concepts. So, crazy yeah. talk. Uh, let me mention another type of specialized lens because uh, this one threw me for a loop as well when I started getting into lenses. Is you can get a prime lens. Let's say I'm looking at something that says, "Oh, there's a 50 millimeter." Cool, right? That's 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 a good distance. I can do a lot of things with that. 
But then you may see another one. You're looking at 50 millimeter lenses and you see another one that says 50 millimeter macro. Okay, now macro, M-A-C-R-O, is a term that means where the focus can be made on that image. So can I focus on things that are really, really close? So 50 millimeter just means, well, that's the that's the the width of the image that I'm going to see, right? The perspective. But of course, I can get closer to a subject. I could take a 50 millimeter and get get further away from someone and I get you know, wider, uh, more, more of the information in that church from the wedding, or I can walk up close to the person and get closer so that they're fitting the screen. A macro is the cool photography that everybody sees of like insects really close up or, um, uh, uh, dew, uh, dew on a leaf where you're seeing it zoomed in really far. And I say, I say zoomed in. It wasn't zoomed in at all, really. It was probably the person got really close to that object. And a macro lens is when your focus can be on something really close to the lens. So if you're someone who really loves that kind of, which I do, I love that kind of photography where you're seeing um, you know, gears within a watch, right? Mm-hmm. That are really close up and you're seeing lots of detail there. Well, that's someone that got really close and had to have a macro lens that could focus on that because I could have said, well, I'm going to sit way back and I'm going to do a telephoto lens to zoom in on that gear. But the further away you are, the more, yeah. more things that can get in the way of your image, right? Um, the more problems, the more distortion that could happen, the more uh, particles in the air that could change your, your, your picture. So macros well, are really cool. Like, um, yeah. Really cool it's like even going back to our mobile phone conversation in last week, you know, one thing you probably noticed is if you're shooting on your phone and somebody gets really close to your phone, you can't focus on them. You're just not able to focus because the lenses are not meant to be that kind of specialty macro lens that you have on, you're talking about on the DSLR side. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to the mobile Allen, that's, that's the one lens that I personally would use on a, on a phone. Like you buy those extra little lenses get a macro lens and the macro lenses for the phones are really small. They're, they're very thin. So you don't have to, it's not a, a big bulky thing, but you put that on and what that allows you to do is take your camera then or your phone and put it right up next to, let's say the, the bubbles in a glass, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a soda where you're seeing really, really cool definition of the, the ice cubes and things. You can do that then, whereas you can't do it with your, camera without that lens because you'd have to pinch and zoom, which changes the number of pixels you're getting and all that stuff. So anyway, so that's what's called a macro lens. And you have to be careful because you can't, like I said, not all 50 millimeters are the same. Not all 90 millimeters are the same because if it says macro, it means it's geared to to focus at the closer ranges, uh, which means that it might not be as good with the further ranges. So, so you've got the telephoto lenses, which of course, zoom, you've got the macro lenses, you've got the prime lenses. Um, and then of course you have a lot of these all in ones and things that can kind of mix them all together. Um, I, this is where I mentioned that you kind of want to be thinking ahead. Anytime you buy a lens, think, where does it fit in my lens package and strategy? You know, if I have a, if I have a, a 70 to 200, which is a really quality kind of, you know, uh, zoom, uh, lens, do I need to get a, 
another 18 to 270, right? Doesn't make any sense, right? All of a sudden I've just wasted money, right? I could have gone with something that, you know, filled in my gaps of, uh, of, of the distances. So, so think, think ahead a little bit, um, and just be aware that uh, when you're buying those lenses, they are expensive. So you want to, when you, you know, this may be something you're doing over a strategy of years, like, hey, I'll pick one up this year and another one maybe two years from now. And you want you want them to fit into your, your overall strategy. But I think buying an all-in-one initially, like a big range, you know, an 18 to 300 or an 18 to 200, um, and then learn about photography and learn about what you like. And then afterwards you might say, oh, I just, I love wildlife. So let's get a big telephoto and use that and spend most of your time with it. Um, so, uh, are there any types of lenses, Brian, anything else that, you know, well, not necessarily types that we need to talk about. I will say, um, other things to keep in mind, uh, the, um, a lot of the lenses now have a VR on them, vibration reduction. And, oh, not and virtual reality. Not virtual reality, no. I got um, excited there for a minute. I thought there was a, they were selling virtual reality lenses, which I'm like, <laughs> I have to understand how that works. But, I got um, asked. Yeah. Now you're telling me it's vibration reduction? Vibration reduction. Yeah. And, and a lot of them, it's something that happens on the lens. So you click a little a switch on the lens. And what that's doing is as you handhold the lens, and that's a that's kind of a big trouble here, Alan, is we talked about needing a tripod and wanting to use tripods. Well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to photograph animals and I'm really looking to zoom in on a, a deer that's, you know, a far away way, the more I zoom, the more any movement I make is going to blur my image, right? It's going to be really, really hard to keep that uh, nice and crisp. But these VR will often kind of take a shake. So if you shake a little bit, it will offset that shake and try to give you a, a, a nice sharp image. Now, of course, it there's a lot of people that actually think VR is bad. That if you're someone who's really good at taking good, sharp images, turning VR might actually add some shake to the image because it's kind of, it's an engine that's working in there or it's, there's some power going yeah. to it. So a lot of them will turn that off as well when they're trying to do uh, maybe tripod. If you're if you're on a tripod, you turn it off, right? You don't need vibration reduction because there is no vibration. Um, sure. So look for that is if you're someone who wants to walk around with your lens, which I imagine most people want to do, walk around, take different things. You probably want one that has vibration reduction in it. It's going to help make your images a little better. Um, and the last thing I'll mention, Alan, just about lenses um, is as you're looking into the world of lenses, not all you know, let's say the 18 to 55, not all 18 to 55 lenses are the same. Uh, we've talked about some are plastic, some are metal, um, not all, you know, 50 millimeter lenses are the same. What you're going to look when you see those lenses is probably a really, really important number is going to be the aperture number. So on a lens, if you're buying a lens online, you might see it say, uh, this is a Nikon 50 millimeter, um, uh, F4. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what that means is F4 is going to be the aperture, the maximum aperture that it can do. And aperture is the, when it, when you take a picture, the lens itself is going to open up like the, like the pupil of your eye, right? You're open up to let more light in or less light. And you tweak the aperture in order to change the, the type of image you're doing. So if, if you want to focus, uh, you talked about mobile, Alan, a lot of the mobile yeah. um, 
phones now have that portrait mode where you can turn on portrait mode, take a picture of someone, and it provides this really cool picture of you see the person's face clear, but everything else behind them starts to kind of fade away, right? So it, it focuses- It just knows to automatically blur the background a little bit right. to give you more of that sense of space and distance between the subject and the background. Yep. Yeah. And it focuses you on what you want them to see, right? Not get distracted by all the things in the back. Well, that's you do that in photography with aperture. So if I make my aperture bigger- or wider, which actually is confusing because it means make your number lower. So an F4 is wider aperture than an F10. And okay. it's because it's going to be F divided by four. So when you see the numbers, it'll say like a fraction. And what it really means is four means one fourth, you know, eight means one eighth, you know, 22 means one twenty second. Right. And what it's doing, and not to get too detail on it, but it's basically saying, what's the fraction of the focal length that I'm using and the size of the aperture? So if I'm if I'm focusing out at 80 and I'm doing it at F4, that's one fourth. So I would imagine my aperture of my lens is going to be 20 millimeters. It's going to open up 20 minute, 20 millimeters to do this 80 millimeter thing. Now all that's to say that if I'm looking at a lens that says, um, let me give you an example because I'm buying lenses right now, Alan, and it's it's super confusing. But if I I'll just, uh, I'll do a, a hypothetical. If I wanted to buy a, uh, a 70 to 200, so that's the range, and I found a 70 to 200 lens, and one of them says F uh, 3.5, to 5.5. Yeah. Okay. Well, what that means is the aperture, the possible aperture that you can use is going to change as you zoom in on that lens. So as I get closer, I can use one aperture, but as I get further away, I've got to use a different aperture. Those are not as good of lenses as the lens that says it's an F4. And that just so means again, that no like matter where I am in the zoom, yeah. I have the same ability to do this wide aperture. It's almost right? like how the prime lenses are that fixed exactly. lens for a particular yeah. reason. This is now saying that for the aperture. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is like saying this is a prime aperture lens. Yeah, yeah. This is a set aperture that people will pay a lot more money for a set aperture lens that says no matter what I'm doing and where I'm zooming, I can still get that same aperture that I want, the same blur, the same, all of that, the same amount of light coming in. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I mentioned that because it's still confusing to me where you might see a lens and go, oh my God, look at that. Look at the price on that. That's a great price. And then you realize the reason it's a great price because it's, it's the lesser version of the two, right? It's the one with the mixed yeah. aperture versus the set one. So for most people, you don't need to worry about that right away because you'll learn to deal with whatever you have, right? If you did that wide, you know, 18 to 270 or something like I talked about earlier, um, it'll have a mixed aperture. Uh, it's made out of plastic or it has a lot of plastic in it, but it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be so much fun to take pictures as you get better. You'll start to figure out, oh, maybe I need lenses that are, you know, smaller aperture, but also better, you know, um, set apertures. So, all right. So there's a lot of them out there. Cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely do a crop sensor. Don't buy the kit lens and then try to get a lens that's going to cover the the things that you want to take pictures of the uh the perspectives that you're interested in yeah okay 
All right. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. So what are, what are some, uh, all right. So what are, let's say you've got the camera body, you got your lenses, you kind of know where you're going with that. What's kind of some additional steps or tips or things that you may need that can kind of help build on that? Uh, well, one thing I'll mention quickly is buy a filter, buy a filter right away and filter meaning the lenses you buy, you can get an extra ring of glass and screw it onto the outside or the end of the lens. And for one, you could get one that's just going to protect it, right? Clear. It's just going to protect. So it's just a lens. protection lens. Yeah, it could be right. Yeah, you could get one that is just clear. It's going to provide the protection. And if it gets scratched, well, okay, you're out forty bucks instead of being out, you know, uh, hundreds of dollars from your lens. Sure. Um, but the other thing is you can you can buy those filters, you can buy a filter kit, and that's what I would suggest someone doing. You know, if it was my first one, I would say get a crop sensor DSLR, pick your company, buy one good lens that spreads across uh, a good range of, uh, of distances, and then buy a, um, a, a filter kit. And the filter kit will come with like one that's clear, maybe UV protection, right? Another one that might be polarized, which can give some really cool pictures, right? If you're taking in mm-hmm. high sun, you can, you know, bring the blues out and you can, you know, make it so that you're not getting some reflections. Uh, it might even give like a, um, a darker lens. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the benefit of that. It, if you're in high light outside, it's like putting sunglasses on your lenses, right? It right. makes it easier to be able to focus on what you want. And all those would generally come within a lens kit, but make sure buy your lens first, find out what the size of the lens is and then buy the filter kit that goes with that size of lens. Yeah. Okay. So a filter kit will have those core ones available with it typically. Yeah, generally. And those are the ones I would look for like UV polarized and maybe I think they call it like the high density or something, but maybe uh, uh, kind of a shaded and a different level of shade. So, okay. Um, You know, get yourself a good strap. Um, and this is a decision. Usually the camera will come with a strap, right? The one that just goes over your neck, but there's lots of ways that, um, that, that may not be the best kind of strap for you. Um, Mm -hmm. if you buy a, a longer lens, like you're interested in photography or in wildlife and you decide you want to buy a telephoto lens, well, having it around your neck means that that long lens is going to be hanging down always and kind of maybe problematic. Um, maybe you want a different kind of um, a different kind of strap or connection. Maybe there's there's like wrist straps that can go on if that's the way you want to hold. Uh, there's shoulder straps that can go to the side if that's not going to be if you want to hike with it. So yeah. try to find something to protect it. <laughs> Most importantly, protect your your camera. Brian, those types of straps. I mean, are whether you go Canon or Nikon. I mean, are the camera bodies all pretty universal as far as? Straps, the yeah, and the, the adapters yeah. they use for any kind of straps. Yeah, okay. Great question. The uh, they'll all have all those bodies will have two loops at the mm-hmm. top, right? Which of course is made to go in the front as a normal, you know, as you used to see like a uh, uh, newspaper photographers, you know, go around with yeah. the film sure. around their neck, right? Uh, but nowadays they'll actually use the, even the tripod mount on the bottom. So maybe you connect it to that and connect it to one of those straps to be able to put it on your side. But yes, those would be interchangeable. So you don't need to worry about what kind of camera you have for a strap. Um, and then I'd say, make sure right away, buy a bag. Um, and here's another thing that's very similar to the kit lens question. Um, if, if you know what kind of photography you want to do, or if you know the things you like to do, 
I'm a big hiker. I like to get out and hike or get out and, you know, get in nature to be able to take pictures. And the bags that tend to come with these kits, you know, the, mm-hmm. the kit lens and everything is, is like a square or a rectangle kind of shoulder bag. And that's not something I'm going to use while I'm hiking. I'd rather have a backpack, something that could stay yeah. stable. Um, so I have a, a little small backpack that I can slide my camera in and out uh, while I'm uh, while I'm wearing it. So think about mm-hmm. how you're going to use it and um, make sure you have a, a bag to be able to protect it. Because, you know, you, you're you going to spend a lot of money on these lenses and you don't want to be setting it down and you want to be able to put it in a padded environment when you're not using it. So Sure, absolutely. So... How about, Brian, if I've got these things and I want to just get better at taking photography with DSLRs? We talked about some tips on the mobile side in the last episode, some things that we encourage everybody to use. Uh, Are we looking at some different types of tips for a DSLR camera or some of the same or what? I think you're going to see some of the same. I mean, uh, obviously, so I've got a a friend who's a photography professor and uh, or has been, he just retired and it's so funny that every time he and I get together to he'll take a look at some of my pictures and try to give me some advice. Every time he's like, are you shooting with a tripod? Are you shooting with a tripod? Cause he knows I'm not, he knows I get, yeah. I, I'm bad and that I go out and try to creatively get to a place to take a picture. But he's like, take your tripod with you because you can tell the difference, uh, especially with the kind of pictures I like to take, you know, the, uh, kind of long range, uh, animals and things you can tell if you didn't do a tripod, uh, or you had some shaking of the lens. So get a good, get a tripod, get one that, um, that if you're someone who likes to hike a lot, then get something that's small that you can take with you. Um, you know, try to remove all the reasons why you won't have your tripod with you. And whether that's a monopod, as you said, or a tri three leg tripod, uh, get one of those, uh, early on. And, um, you know, and realize you can spend oftentimes a lot of money on a tripod. Uh, you can also get them really inexpensive and they would work fine. It's just the more money you put into it, the more options you have with things when it's on the tripod, like a ball mount to move around all directions and things like that. But get it. Yeah. Get a tripod, start using tripod. Uh, here's my other piece of advice, Alan, which just the reason why people get into DSLR pictures should be because they want control of their pictures. They want control of their creativity, right? They want to be able to do things rather than taking what the phone does. Sure. But a lot of people, when they start taking those pictures, they turn the camera to the auto setting and then we'll take and maybe just focus, right? Focus and zoom will be the two things that they're tweaking. And that's fine. Right? And actually I spent my first couple of years with everything on auto, because I was really, I wanted to be creative with the perspectives, not necessarily whether or not I get a good sharp image. Right. But here's here's the thing you want to want to learn about is there are multiple settings on there. There on all of these cameras, there's going to be kind of the auto setting. Then there'll be an S setting, which is shutter. There's an A setting for aperture. There's an M setting for manual. Um, eventually, you're going to work your way up those settings. Start with the the auto, let it do what it's supposed to do, and then you try to get creative with the the zooming and all of that. But my 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 suggestion, and this is something I wish I did earlier, take picture, take good pictures on auto, and after you take the picture, look at the screen and look at the stats of the picture. Don't just look at the picture to see if it looked right. 
change the settings so that after you take a picture, the back screen of your camera will show you the settings like, oh, this was a, you know, one one sixtieth of a second uh, with an ISO of 500 and whatever. Now it did all that for you. It, it did it automatically. But if you see a good picture, it's good to read and see, oh, well, what are the settings? Because then you can start to recognize, oh, if I do an F4 with this setting in this situation, it's going to look like that. And you can start to manually create it or tweak them. And more importantly, like you see a bad picture, you see one that's too bright, too dark. Mm -hmm. You can look down and go, why did that happen? And then you start learning about photography, learn about the aperture, learn about the shutter speed, you learn about how to tweak the two, the ISO. And those are all things that, you know, you can do good uh, classes online, learn about those. Uh, but the easiest way to learn is to take the pictures with auto and, uh, recognize what were the settings that the auto decided to use and start so you're figuring just trying out to learn. Things. You're just trying to learn from your own camera, you know, yeah, just say, Hey, what, what did you do camera to get this auto <laughs> shot? And right. good. Why now I'll know going forward why to do that manually and see if I can yeah, recreate right. that same kind yeah. of look. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, personally, there's two, there's usually two auto um, settings. There's one that is auto with flash and one's auto without flash. Mm -hmm. I have never had my camera on auto with flash. I have it auto without flash always. And it's good because that then provides you some really cool other pictures, you know, like some, uh, maybe a little blur in certain spots, but by doing that, then you can start to see, well, what is my camera trying to do with the amount of light that I have available now? And with the, you know, the, level of zoom that I'm giving and the perspective I'm giving. Sure. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So those are things, those are some suggestions, get, you know, get filters to protect your lens uh, and to provide you some more options, get a good strap so that you can protect it in a good bag. Um, that's going to work with your, uh, you know, your type of photography you want to do uh, and then learn from your camera for a while, you know, use yeah. the zoom to be creative and the focus to be creative, but then pay attention to the settings that it's using uh, so that you can learn what each of those settings will do. And then you can start working your way towards the, the shutter, uh, shutter speed uh, setting, the uh, aperture setting, and then eventually to the, the manual setting to be able to be control of all of that stuff. So, all right. Very cool, man. Yeah. Well, any any other any other nuggets you need to kind of toss on to me here? Maybe there's um, one other. We this, this is like before. the longest. By the way, this is the longest I have let you talk. You're just gonna sit back um, a little bit. I'm gonna take advantage of it. Okay. So I mean, sorry. I was gonna say I really have just been sitting here. I was even here on the other end for a while. Did you know that? I like left for a while. You went to dinner or something? Or I what? did. I had I fixed some dinner. I came back. You were still talking, so I left again. <laughs> Well, you know, if that's the case, I'm going to go, if this is probably the last time I'll get a chance to do this, I'm going to go talk for it, more. man. Take it, do it. Uh, well, I would say one other thing, when you're, when you're setting up your camera initially, mm -hmm. go through all the settings, go through all the, the menu items to be able to try to figure out. And one of those is going to say, what kind of picture do you, what kind of file do you want to keep? Like a JPEG file, a JPEG, uh, a certain fine level of JPEG or something. All of those are basically how much information do you want me to store from each of your pictures? And if yeah. you're someone that wants to eventually, if you really want to ramp up your game in terms of photography and you want to be able to take that picture and do things with it later, like edit it and, you know, make it a really good quality image, shoot in RAW and RAW, R-A-W, um, is a setting that you'll have on there. 
and the raw setting will basically take all the information in and keep it original so that you can then tweak it. Uh, if you choose something like a JPEG, it'll make the file size smaller, which means you'll be able to store more pictures uh, on your card, but it's going to cut out some of the detail. Uh, now it's going to look better. Actually, I, I'll tell you, a raw image does not look as good as a JPEG mm -hmm. image does when you look at it on the screen because the raw is pulling everything in and it's not making decisions on what was important. So it's kind of, sure. you may see some more mm -hmm. grays and things that are in there. But it gives you more options to tweak those, whereas JPEG's already kind of trying to make sense of the image, but it's, it's cutting already out. Been, yeah, it's already it's been processed once. Exactly. So going back and redoing and re-editing, you're you're working from a compressed version of your photo yeah. to begin with. Exactly. So yeah, and if you're and if you're if you're nervous about doing that, um, then you can do what I did. My first few years of taking pictures is I made the settings to save both RAW and JPEG. It would save two versions, kind of like the HDR on the mobile camera. We'll save both if you want. So that I'd have the raw if I wanted to dig in and do some things. But I also had the one that was good to share right away. That was good. Yeah. It looked pretty solid. Um, it's smaller file size, easier to share, and uh, may not need as much adjusting to make exactly. it look good. So, yeah. Yeah, so those are my those are my tips, Alan. I think uh, I mean I get excited about it because I it's such a fun hobby. Um, yeah. It's an expensive hobby. It's if if you ask me, is it really worth the money you put into it compared to what a phone can do? No, probably not. But it is it's a hobby. It's something you enjoy when you feel like you can get creative, uh, or uh, if you're something you know want something to learn, right? I mean, it's a it's a new yeah. language you have to learn and kind of a, an well, art. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I, I'm with you completely. I, I feel much the same way about video, which I know is yeah. something we're probably going to tackle on another topic here in the next couple of weeks. So I can definitely share some of that same level of enthusiasm when it comes to shooting video, moving photos than uh, with you than still photography. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, so I appreciate that. Again, I, I, I learned a lot. I really just kind of sat back and listened and it's great information. And uh, I mean, I'll admit hearing you talk about it gets me a little interested in wanting to eventually jump back into DSLR photography, but uh, I'm going to hold my enthusiasm for the video topic that we'll talk about <laughs> yeah, next because I, I do have some ideas on where we go there as well. Yep. All right. So Brian, uh, we do our, our bits, our brothers and tech suggestions at the end of every episode uh, before we wrap it up. Uh, kind of a, uh, you know, what's a, a good suggestion for this week's episode that we can give uh, mine. Uh, I'll go ahead and do mine first and then you can wrap it up because you've already been talking for a really long time and I'm going to give you a break. Um, and I'll admit my, my suggestion, I don't have many in the terms of digital photography. Most of my stuff is going to come in the video side when we get to that topic. Yep. But uh, I do know that we here at our studio, I, we do use a DSLR camera for a lot of our video shooting. So I at least have some experience with the DSLR camera shooting video and thinking about that way, regardless of if I'm shooting photo or video with these cameras, the thing I'm pretty particular about are bags. And you mentioned bags already as having a good bag for a uh, camera. I like the bags that are very compact. In other words, if I want to go somewhere and I'm just having the camera and in a lens and that's it, and I want to be able to go somewhere else on a shoot. I want to be able to get in and out and have something really, really kind of tidy to keep it all together in a small package. Uh, there's one that I have used before that I, I really like just because I like the form factor and I like how compact it is. It is uh, it's called a think tank photo digital holster. So as opposed to a full bag that has compartments and all this stuff, 
this does have a little bit of compartments to it, but it really is just meant for, look, put your camera body with one lens inside this thing, seal it up. It's as small a package as you can get, basically. And it's just great. So, and it's a pop-down thing, meaning that the bag height can increase for a lens or telephoto lens as you need it to. It is meant for going over the shoulder. Um, it's just great and small. And plus it's relatively inexpensive. I mean, it's a nice quality bag, but you can get it for, you know, 40, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, somewhere in that neighborhood. So I will say that's a bag that I have used. I like the whole idea of the holster kind of sling over the shoulder, very small, compact. I don't need anything else with me except the camera and the lens and that's it. Uh, and it's great for just doing that. Now, Grant, if you're going on a shoot and you need a lot more gear, this isn't going to help you out a lot, but if you are going to go on a quick shoot and you just need your camera and lens, you got enough batteries, you got enough storage space, you're, you're good on everything else. Then this is a nice little holster bag to go with your camera. So that's good. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that I, I had not seen that, uh, that bag before, but mm-hmm. my wife, you know, Laura and I have been doing a lot of kayaking lately and trying to take, you know, bird photography and things like that from a kayak seems like that would be a really great kind of bag where you can easily slide in and slide out, kind of mount it right underneath, uh, uh, kind of in my, uh, area where I'm keeping everything dry. That seems like a, a pretty cool. Well, kind of my preferred types of bags are still the backpacks that can contain, yep. you know, can contain multiple lenses and has even a side holster where you can slide a monopod in there and, and have it ready to go. I just like this little small compact form factor. Just if you go, you're going for a very specific need, you're trying to minimize space and you don't need a whole lot of your other gear with you. So yeah, that's cool. Good. That's the think tank photo digital holster. Uh, We'll put the link to Amazon on our, uh, on our uh, show notes. What have you got, Brian? That's great. Cause I'm I'm really happy you're able to contribute something to this episode. Um, That's all I got. That's it. I mean, Um, but you know, anyway, you, you contributed something which is which is a positive. That's great. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to make a pick um, for a Pluto remote trigger system. Uh, the company okay. is Pluto, P L U T O, and I'm I'm making this pick uh, because I just got this device. I actually got it as uh, when I was buying a. Uh, some used equipment from somebody that this got thrown in there and I didn't know anything about it, but, um, and I haven't actually used it effectively on a shoot yet, but so I've played this is a really it. good, this is a great recommendation then. So now, thank you, Brian. This is, I'm, sure. playing, I'm playing around with it, right? So you're going to, you're All going right. to like it. Okay. So here's what, here's what it could do. So it's taking, making your photo, uh, photography a little bit more um, techie, right? It, it's a little device, a wireless shutter device that works through Bluetooth. So it allows you to use your phone to control the shutter on your camera. You put it up on the, the shoe mount, or the shoe mounts where on the very top of your camera where usually there's a yeah. flash there. You slide it on, um, connect, it, connect it to your phone through an app. Um, but here's what, I, here's what I love about it. I mean, there's a lot of those, actually. There's a lot of those remote triggers, right? Which, again, I mentioned in the last episode is pretty helpful because I don't want to touch the camera if it's on a yeah. tripod if I don't have to. I don't want to add any more vibration. So having a remote trigger is good. So this will do that. But the other thing is that this will allow you through your, your phone to be able to control for lots of different cool things. Like you want to do one of those pictures that does star trails, you know, where you're out in the middle oh, of the yeah. wilderness mm-hmm. looking up and seeing the travel of the stars over a long exposure. 
you could set it up and say, I want to do the star trails and I'm going to have it take a, you know, a, a, a 30 minute exposure, meaning it's going to open and take all this 30 minute of stuff, but I want you to change all the settings so that it, it's, you know, will look right at the end. If you've ever tried to do that on your own, it, it's, it's really, really tough to do. You have to really play sure. with some of the lighting. Um, the other things it has, it has all sorts of ways that you can fire the camera. So instead of just pushing a button on your phone, you can actually set it up to say, uh, I want you to take a picture when I say the word Pluto. <laughs> so you could actually have it respond to your voice and you'd say Pluto oh, wow. and it takes a picture. Or you could say, I'm taking, I'm, I'm zooming in on this particular situation and it's got an infrared on the front. So it's got a little sensor on the front. You could say the moment you see movement, take the picture. So maybe you're zooming in on a, uh, a bird nest uh, or birdhouse and you're waiting for the bird to come out and you say trigger whenever you get movement or uh, what else did I see? You could trigger, it comes with a little laser laser pointer. So you could say, I want to connect this laser pointer to the device. And whenever anything breaks that laser beam, yeah. you know, something moves there, take a picture. Um, wow. Yeah. It's even got a water droplet to water splash feature that says, if you want to take one of those cool pictures of, you know, something yeah. dropping in water and doing a macro version of that, it has a way of recognizing a quick, um, quick movement. So it's got lots of cool options. I'm hoping it works the way it's supposed to. I had, like I said, I haven't yeah. got a chance to play with it. Um, just got it, uh, yes, two days ago. That is pretty um, crazy. man. I got to, if it works you know, anywhere close to what it says it's supposed to, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to take pictures on. So that's Pluto, PlutoTrigger.com. PlutoTrigger.com. Yeah, I have absolutely no use for this, but I, it's, <laughs> it's totally cool. And I kind of want to see it in action. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, we have covered a lot about uh, digital photography with DSLR cameras and lenses. Uh, thank you, Brian, for sharing your vast, vast amount of knowledge with us. And uh, you are, you're and, welcome, and, Grasshopper. I am happy yeah. that I'm able to, to share knowledge with you and kind of educate you and give you some things you can talk about at parties if you ever I, invite one. And yes, right. Great. If I ever get invited to one. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great, great information that I, I I really won't be doing anything with, but it's good to know that you you shared it with me, and I appreciate that. No, I think it's helpful. I mean, again, if people are looking at these two options of where do I go with digital photography, I think it's important to know everything. And this is some great. I joke, but it was some great information, great ideas on best ways to approach uh, digital photography with the DSLR setup. So that's great. And your son, right, your well, son's Brian, photography, right? So your son, yeah, yeah, no, he is. He's a he's a He's a, uh, is he a Nikon or Canon? I cannot remember. Uh, he's an Nikon. I'm he's an sure Nikon he's guy. Nikon. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I, I think you're right. He takes a lot of uh, car, automobile photography. That's his big yep. thing. Yep. And uh, no, he really enjoys it. He's good at it. He's got a good eye for it. And um, so I get to live a little vicariously through seeing him work with, with the cameras and all too. So, uh, but again, we'll switch over to video probably in our next month worth of episodes. And that's where that's where it's Alan's time to shine. So that's I'll get to take over to, a little that's bit. That's when you get to show off. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. All right, well, Brian, if somebody's got some questions, I mean, other than just contacting you personally, because that's what for, I'm going to forward them to you anyway. If anybody did have any questions about the show, about the content or ideas or suggestions for us, uh, where do they go? 
Yeah, send us an email at info at themesh.tv. Uh, info at themesh.tv. Uh, it's a great way for you to give us some feedback on, um, you know, if, if you had questions like, why is Alan even on this show? Uh, and <laughs> what, what, what was my <laughs> what was my purpose? Right. Um, if you've got some suggestions, you've got some cool uh, technology related to photography that you want to share that we can uh, kind of uh, pass along to our audience. Um, you know, Alan, we're we're moving towards kind of having a, another website that we can start to share some more of this information with people in the future. And yep. uh, so we'd like to take any of your suggestions, even if we've already covered the topic, uh, we can share it in other ways. So send us an email. Uh, tell us future topics you'd like to see. Uh, Alan mentioned we're going to have video coming up. I think we're going to be talking about what, some home security and all sorts of things in the next few months. So um, if yep. you've got some some topics you'd be interested in, let us know. So info at themesh.tv. Perfect. Great. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to uh, give us some ratings, reviews, subscriptions through uh, any of the other podcatchers out there. And uh, otherwise, we will look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.